and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the second part of our discussion with uh, the one, the only, the maestro, Tony <laughs> Pietra Arjuna. Get ready to rumble! <laughs> I can yes. that better. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? You, you, you gave yeah. it a fairly good go, and, and that's, what, that's what we are going to do for today's uh, session. Um, previously, right. previously, our thoughts on films. Yeah. We talked about uh, the film Shadowplay. Uh, we delved a lot deeper into the concepts of character and story and how you know, both discourses came about with regards to the film and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Today's session is going to focus a lot more on ideas related to the location uh, because there's a lot in the film that's um, very interesting. It's, it's very f- familiar but also very different. So, so we are going to get a bit more into um, the, the geographical discussion uh, that, that could be seen in Shadowplay as well as some of the technicalities that could have influenced how the film is both made and distributed. And, and what uh, Tony has in mind for the future. But for now, we're just yeah. going to anchor a lot more of our chat uh, in, in the aforementioned location bit. Because, um, mm-hmm. of course, in any film, the location plays a role in the story. But in Shadowplay, mm-hmm. it seems like there's a more deliberate emphasis on the city as a, as a signifier of some sort. And I'm going to start yep. with the feel, because when I saw the film the first time, mm-hmm. there was a feel that I got that... I just, I it can't help but remind me of Blade Runner. And yes. so I just wonder that knowing you yeah. the way I think I know you, I wonder whether that film was an inspiration in the visual look of the landscape of the film. Yep. Uh, you're knowing me more than I know myself now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good thing? I, I think that's yes, a good yes. thing. Yes, <laughs> that's a good thing. You know, from, from another filmmaker, another film uh, scholar, you know, that's, that's the best thing to know. <laughs> good to know. So, yeah, so yes, absolutely, because um, you know, Blade Runner obviously was a very big influence on me as, as a child, so that's something I, I absorbed and, and that I wanted to express um, in large amounts to pretty much you know, any film that I, that I do, which is set in the city, because you know, to me, the city itself is a character. Um, it's, it's, it's not just a backdrop, but, uh, but, it, but it conveys a kind of a... a a kind of presence in the film, which 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 is uh, all encompassing and kind of uh, uh, omnipresent. Hmm. So, uh, in in which case, I, w- I would say that you know, um, Shadowplay mainly focuses on on, on a- Anton as as the sole protagonist, and all these other characters are ciphers in a sense, or or I would argue maybe even just facets of his own personality. Right. But um. Uh, but I think the one character which would step outside of that uh, subjective uh, personality or, or, or um, legions of <laughs> is the city itself as, as mm. a kind of observer. Um, so, so uh, and, and and Blade Runner was was very much an influence in that regard. But I would say that uh, uh, to a further degree, Michael Mann was was probably my biggest in, in influence in that in that sense. Mm. And, and and what 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 kind of like inspired me was was the way he shot L.A. in Heat, um, so that 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 made a mark on me when I first experienced it back in the '90s. Was how even to people you know what I've been reading on and, and just knowing from people who've lived in California is how the way he captured Los Angeles um, in 1995 was you know entirely different from the way they knew L.A. even as residents. Mm. It just it just transported them to a completely different place which was very familiar to them, 
yet it was so um, um, uh, what's the word uh, hyper real in a sense. So I exactly. wanted to achieve yeah. So I wanted to achieve that 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 kind of sensibility with KL. And this is something that kind of like unfolded over the course of, you know, uh, several years, you know, because, you know, I would just go on walks and tours on my own personal recce's, you know, just, you know, just uh, exploring KL mm. and finding all these nooks, corners and areas which were very cinematic, which which I felt were never really captured in their essence in local film. You know, mm. everything would just be uh, seen as they are, as people would know them, you know, in, in, in everyday life when, when, when you see a lot of local films. But you know, these places, you know, like, you know, for example, I, I'd give, I'd give like Jalantar as an example at the time, yep. you know, it just, it, it felt like a different world. Um, when you go there after eight o'clock, you know, when the neons come alive, for example, and many of many, unfortunately, many of those neons are gone now, just like Coliseum, you know, like one by one, you know, all those ties to, to KL, um, in the 20, in the 20th century are slowly disappearing. So, yeah. So, I, so, so, what I wanted to capture in Shadowplay in terms of KL is, you know, some of those elements which, which take us to another time, yet are very concurrent, uh, very, very current in in regards to how LED lights have kind of like reshaped the way KL looks at night as well. Mm. So, um, which which feeds into this kind of neon aesthetic that I wanted to uh, um, uh, create for, for for the film. So yeah, so. Very much so. Uh, okay. Location is important. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we do see a lot yeah. on screen. And I think perhaps this is yeah. the part of the conversation where I kind of need to preface a bit more of what I'm about to say right. with a bit of my own uh, context because, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm born in KL and I, I grew up or spent a lot of my childhood in KL and, mm. and worked here and whatnot. But, but then over the past maybe nearly 10 years or so, I've, I've not lived in Malaysia. I've not lived in KL as much so so even when I come back it will always be like for very brief moments and even yeah. then it would not really be like trips right to the heart yeah. of town so so yeah. watching your film more to the point you're watching your film sometimes I feel like it's this is a thing here that I kind of need to differentiate between me looking at something that I think is very familiar to me yeah. and thinking wow this film has made it look really different mm. Between that and yeah, yeah. the actual reality that KL itself has changed, and yep. and you know, as as you pointed out, uh, some yeah. some places at the Colosseum and whatnot, you know, um, mm -hmm. some of the landmarks, uh, mm -hmm. e either not exactly there or still there, but not present in the same way. Mm -hmm. So, um, the the question I have for you uh, mm -hmm. for now is basically just how much of this did you have to change? Because when you watch the film. Mm -hmm. And then you yeah. see, yeah, you do have shots of, of the Twin Towers and everything, but then you see yeah. other parts of the city and it's all yeah. very, you're right, the, the, the neon aspect is emphasized um, yeah. and whatnot. So mm -hmm. did you have to change a lot either during production or post-production mm -hmm. or was it more a matter of, oh, look, this video wall here is already quite futuristic enough as it is. Um, so how much did you have to change KL on screen to fit your imagination? Yeah. Or right. uh, did you not have to change anything at all? <laughs> yeah, definitely the latter. We didn't change anything. Um, it, it was very much like like the example you pointed out with the with the video wall. But uh, essentially, it's like going in, uh, going out there, and and searching for those places which fit uh, your production concept. Right. 
So and and being and cherry picking them and being very selective and and just creating this kind of a consistent universe out of those places that you choose. So that so so what we did was I mean on one hand it was me doing my own scouting for several you know uh, strewn out over over the course of several years and identi- mm. identifying these places and then revisiting them during during our official location recce, which was roughly two months before production. Hmm. So, but but when I revisited those places, you know, some of them changed for the better, you know, because suddenly they had more LED lights, for example. That's right. You know, um, uh, and it just made me realize how much kale has had changed, even over the course of just uh, less than five years, in that hmm. sense. And and that, you know, um, um, to my surprise, you know, served the, the, the film better, you know, because then we had our. Uh, uh, kind of like practical light source for our for for our nighttime exteriors yes that's right <laughs> you know and, and that became the consistent consistent kind of uh, visual style in the end so yeah so basically it was just being selective with what we were looking for and and creating this kind of uh um uh, uh universe out of it is there a particular location that you discovered that surprised you like um like as you mentioned going through the, the recce stage over the past number of years and whatnot, and you discovered yeah. something or some place. Like, is, is there one such location that you wouldn't mind sharing with us? Okay, um, I would say, okay, give me a moment to go through shelves of my memory here. Possibly, okay, definitely Masjid Jami. Okay, all right. Okay, in terms of. Uh, particularly the uh, Kolambiru, the the Blue River, you know. So Ooh, that, yes, I, that wasn't there before. And the, the the thing is, you know, everybody consider, considers it tacky, you know, when they see it when when they when they go there with their naked eyes. Okay, but, but do uh, they? Yeah, I, I've yeah, never been, it, so I, I can't yeah, yeah, comment yeah. too much. I must say, it, it's a it's subjective, I guess. You know, you know, with the yeah. with the dry eyes and the blue LED lights coming out of the <laughs> of the smelly river. But um, <laughs> and, <laughs> we need and, that balance. I know exactly. I mean, it's very touristy, you know. Go going in there if you if you just yes. go there, you know, and 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 seeing all these other uh, people around who are most who are like half of them are tourists, so it feels touristy initially. But but once again, it's a matter of just isolating that element, capturing it on on camera, and and, and giving it a different context. Mm. So so it, in in my eyes, it just it was just very surreal. You know, mm-hmm. and, and kind of like fed into this kind of Blade Runnerish aesthetic that I that I was trying to achieve in some of these locations. So mm-hmm. that would be one example. Uh, and then uh, definitely, um, oh yeah, the LRTs, and I think you're going to touch on that a little bit later as well. Yep. You know, so <laughs> um, in, in terms of uh, how many more lines had emerged between the last time I I I, I I scouted KL, and around the time that I uh, started shooting shadow play, so uh, that felt more urbane. You know, that felt more kind of uh, LA-ish in a way, with uh, <laughs> with the frequency of uh, LRTs wherever we went. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. actually quite interesting. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I think I suppose maybe the next question is perhaps whether this is a good thing or a bad thing because mm-hmm. there is another film out there, ladies and gentlemen, called The Masseuse by Tan Si Ding, which also kind of so-called reimagines the city on screen in in a similarly futuristic sense. Um, I think maybe it's not quite as uh, neon-ish as your film, if if uh, that term makes sense. But um, 
just as a brief discussion as it is for now, I just wonder whether uh, this kind of can lead to a rise in the profile or the potential of Kuala Lumpur as, as a futuristic kind of place. Because and I'm saying this because fairly recently, Singapore mm. was heavily featured in Westworld yeah. and, and the latest season of Westworld that is. And, yeah. and it seems like it's very, you know, modern, very yeah. cool, very, you know, yeah. neonish yeah. and whatnot in, in some respects as well. Yeah. But Kuala Lumpur, when it comes to, like, for international productions to consider, all right, we're going to shoot a film in Asia or in Southeast Asia. Like, where can we go? You know, yeah. I, at least to my mind, um, in, in a more conventional sense, KL is not really a, a potential location that many people consider of as much maybe they go to penang or maybe they go to other places but kl not so much and i just wonder whether this as you point out perhaps the the so-called updating or upgrading of of certain aspects of kuala lumpur can 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 kl therefore becomes like a a bigger player or a bigger uh alternative that that some people may bear in mind for for more of these kind of productions in the future i would certainly hope so because otherwise it'd be a missed opportunity uh, for, for, for a lot of uh, film productions, you know, mm. who, who, are, who are seeking a Southeast Asian uh, milieu, which um, kind of like convey a kind of futurist uh, um, vibe. But um, uh, I, I guess I guess the pandemic kind of like put a spanner in, in the works there. So maybe 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 it's possible that you know uh, you know aside from uh, Pinewood Iskandar, there are possibilities that you know maybe some Chinese productions might want to shoot in KL to just kind of like uh, um, create this kind of uh, futurist ambiance. But mm. um, but the thing is, you know, uh, you know, bringing Michael Mann back into the picture again, it's like right. he he actually did that with Black Hat, and and I had I had the pleasure of mm. being in the EPK uh, crew and and oh so, were you yeah yeah I was you know for one month when they were shooting here. So excellent. So so what they were doing was like you know they they weren't actually using KL as KL, but they were using it as a proxy for parts of Chicago, Jakarta, and LA. And and it makes sense, you know, because once again, if you isolate, you know, and cherry pick locations, you know, a, a lot of the architecture looks very Chicago or uh, yes, right, um, or LA, you know, especially in terms of the modernist uh, and Art Deco mm-hmm. uh, architecture that you get here and there. So that's already been done once with a, with a Hollywood production, you know, in terms of uh, using KL as, as as a kind of a proxy for for these modern or foreign cities, you know. But mm. as a, a, for science fiction, you know, I think I think uh, the potential is there, but for some reason uh, nobody's really kind of like, um, well, I, I wouldn't say nobody, but you know, not 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 many productions have really tapped into that yet, you know. Mm. But incidentally, you know, I'm working with people who have that vision in mind. So I'm I'm hoping that this this vision will become a reality uh, within the the foreseeable future. Is so, this an exclusive that you're revealing on air, Mr. Tony uh, Pietra Arjuna? Not, not, not quite. <laughs> just, just just a hint, because you know, I don't want to jinx it yet. Because everything uh, is just er, er, everything is just on the conceptual stage right now. Uh, let, let me say that you know. But I'm hoping understood. that we could make it happen. We could make it happen because I would very much like to make a film where. KL is a straight up, you know, science fiction uh, location, uh, okay. and not just uh, not just imply that, but yeah, but basically go full Blade Runner with it. <laughs> Interesting. Wow, yeah. I thought I thought yeah. we were just about to have a scoop live on air there, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But alas, <laughs> we'll just have to make do yeah. uh, with with actually that's actually a very insightful uh, thought yeah. that you shared there. Certainly, I I yeah. kind of yeah. I forgot about Black Hat. 
I, I must admit. Yeah. I saw I saw the film. Yeah. It's it's not quite his best, I, I would I would say. No, I, so I, I would I would go further and say it's this it's his worst. I want I wanted to say yeah. that, but I yeah, also yeah, want yeah. to be polite. <laughs> so But what's what's even more frustrating is that all the elements of a Michael Mann film are there, all the stylistic and thematic elements are there. But it hmm. just felt like it felt like an empty shelf, an empty shell or a shadow or, or the ghost of, of a Michael Mann film. You know, no, and yeah, real exactly. So, That's a very good way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, but anyway, <laughs> we're not here to talk about Michael Mann. Yeah, yeah, we are, yeah. we're here to talk about the man that is you. Uh, <laughs> so, just a nice segue there. But coming back to the city here, um, there's uh, there's one very specific shot in the film where we see an. I mean, I won't get into the actual scene itself because I feel like that's an important scene and then so people will have to watch it and kind of just realize the the, the, the the beauty of the scene in its own way. But simply put, there that was a beautiful shot and what made it great for me was an LRT train passing by just at the right time. And I, I need to ask you whether this is a deliberate thing because um, I, I would imagine that it must have been but it will also have taken a fair amount of patience and, and estimation and coordination just to carry out. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, Shadowplay was, you know, it's an indie film, you know, we didn't have much control over external, external forces, you know, let alone, you know, how and when the LRT trains would run <laughs> just for our shot. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, so basically we had to time it, wait, uh, and then, um, we, we couldn't get it right the first few times, but then, you know, but, but then eventually we, 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 we knew, uh, we understood the frequency of, uh, of train arrivals. So it's like, okay, okay, guys, you know, we just have to wait five minutes, just five minutes, you know, two minutes mm. into those five minutes, start rolling camera, just roll it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. We, we still, we still have enough space in the car. Just do it. You know, and then Julia, you know, our actress, you know, she would be like, okay, fine. Because she's a real professional. She would actually just stand there and wait. and wait and and basically i wouldn't say action i would just say the train is coming and then she'll get into character (laughs) oh wow yeah it sounds quite ominous (laughs) and the train is going (laughs) it's light at the end of the tunnel uh it's a train coming towards you Um. (laughs) (laughs) things certainly feel that way now but you know I'm trying to be optimistic too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. I mean, it's it's just a fantastic shot. But, but yeah, you know, when I watch yeah. a film, I kind of like yeah. uh, try to think about how such um, feelings and and shots are created. And so, mm. just just in that alone, I just have to ask you. And and yeah. it's good mm-hmm. to know that that is something that you bore in mind. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. also a house in the film, mm-hmm. which I think. Um, in, in, in a way, I feel like w- watching some of the scenes in the film, it feels like some, some of the locations like the house can serve as what I call to earlier as, as a reading into the subconscious mindset of, of Anton in the film. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, 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 that's the interpretation that I make. I, I'm not going to ask mm-hmm. you whether it's true or not, because as right. you pointed out earlier, you know, we can all yeah. have our own ideas about what yeah. this film means and whatnot. But I just yeah. kind of noticed the exact same thing Mm-hmm. happening early on in Devoted as well, which is the View series that you were yeah. basically yeah. running as well. Yeah. Um, 
uh, is this like a bit of trivia that we can update your IMDb page profile with? Like, is this like a director trademark that um, Tony Pietra Arjuna, he's going to show characters running away into a house um, and people chasing <laughs> after them or something? <laughs> um, hmm. Okay, that's, that, that could be a subconscious thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, um, but, you know but, but you're right, you know. It's 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 funny how how you know uh, critics or, or scholars you know would, would identify these things and, and make me come face to face with with things that I might have intended on a latent level, um, but not consciously at the time. So, uh, actually, remind me which part uh, in Shadowplay was it again with the house? What oh, it was very early on. Basically, the yeah. first scene, the first scene where. Uh-huh. Yeah, there was a kid and a woman. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Because both, 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 both shows open open in a similar kind of way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, the yeah, same yeah. for Devoted as yeah. well. Uh, yeah, not yeah, a yeah, kid, yeah. but a man, a man running away from yeah. someone. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's kind of like the reverse because in Shadowplay they were running away from the house. Yes. While while in Devoted he was running into the house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's weird because wow, that's that's interesting because now it's like. Uh, because both both projects were done back to back in a sense, so it's like Shadowplay was shot first, and then it was almost immediately followed by Devoted. Oh, so really? It's almost like it's almost like bookends <laughs> in that sense. Ah, that's you know. interesting. I mean, I, I know that you yeah. mentioned before how there's there's yeah. a, a yeah. connection between the two in a way. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. realize that they were done back to back. Yeah, with 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 only Red Storm in between that B grade action film that I did. Uh, <laughs> you know, Red Storm. Before. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is that? Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a Chinese language uh, uh, martial arts action film, which I co-directed with Michael Chua, um, in between, and it got released on Tencent in China, and apparently it did very well there. So you're saying you made uh, more than ten cents, basically? <laughs> basically, yeah, <laughs> or at least the film did. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting any residuals. <laughs> oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a lick later on, you know. But that's that's some, some something of an interesting footnote in my uh, <laughs> recent, uh, you know, career. So fantastic. I, I, would, I, I would call it my Roger Corman experience. You know, sometimes, <laughs> you, you know, sometimes it's necessary to do to do B grade content in order to improve yourself in in, in some respects as, as a filmmaker. In this in this particular case, you know, I want to do more action films uh, uh, mm. after this. So it's important for me to get my hands. Uh, dirty on, on on an action film, even though even if the content itself is uh, dubious. <laughs> ah, that's fair. So, that's fair. You, you right, gotta, you know, yeah, you got, yeah. you got, you got to have the bread in order to appreciate the steak. You know, exactly, um, exactly, exactly. So that, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have put it better myself. But yeah. Anyway, moving on. Sorry. Moving on. Yeah. No, we'll 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 talk a bit <laughs> yeah. more about that later yeah. on. But yeah, I mean, yeah. in terms of location, I mean, th- that's basically the part of our discussion with, um, yeah. in terms of KL and everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, I, I I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we will be sharing the link to the Kinidia uh, platform or page from which you can watch the film. But but the point is, um, as as a fan, as uh, maybe uh, as a filmmaker and, and certainly as, as a lecturer, I mean, I see KL on screen um, a fair amount in all sorts of different ways. You know, even in mm-hmm. even in films like KL Gangster, mm-hmm. um, Anak Halal, which is like a, a, it's like an independent yeah. film some time ago. Even in 
Gerahas, um, the, the TV show. For those of you who don't know, it's like a, a special forces. It's like a police special special forces uh, show, yeah. basically. So, so it's that it's cool. It's it's nice and all that. But but you you have portrayed something about KL in a way that is very not just very cool visually, but also very different compared to a lot mm. of what we have yeah. seen before in the past. So that's something that I greatly appreciate. So yeah. thank you very much to you and your team for that. You are most welcome. <laughs> but the wall separating the child's two worlds was thin. So the hidden ones watched, waiting for the wall to crumble. Speaking of your team, <clears throat> there will be a part of that that we'll be getting into uh, in, in this part of the discussion where we are going to be talking a bit more about the technicalities and, and how you work with um, the, the different personalities behind the screen. But um, I, I want to, uh, before we reach the end of our discussion for today, I want to focus a bit more about how it is on Kini Dia, which we mentioned just now, um, yeah. available for people to watch at home. How did yeah. this deal come about and and why given the plethora of platforms that we now have available uh, did yeah. you eventually plump for Kinidia well uh, it's simple um, Shadowplay is a bit of a hard sell uh, in in to, to to the other locally based platforms um, mm. we, we, we tried to get it on Netflix you know and well we're, we're gonna give it a second attempt and and we've approached some other platforms as well. So, including Mubi. So, right now, discussions are still kind of ongoing. There's no commitment yet, but this is kind of like this uh, the, this talk that, oh, the possibility is there, but the timing is not just uh, right yet, and so forth. Hmm. So, so, so we decided to, to go with Kinidia, at least uh, uh, for now, because it's like... Um, uh, well, for one thing, the process was fast. You know, it's, it's independent. You, know, you don't have to go through as much of the... Uh, bureaucratic or corporate kind of uh, ladders, you know, <laughs> to get it out there, you know, mm. and it's, you know, Justin, Justin Wong, you know, he's also a friend of mine. He's very supportive of the film too. So it's like, okay, fine, let's just drop it there. Mm. Uh, and especially now, you know, we're, since we're in MCO, it might be a good time to just uh, uh, get it out there because there's always a chance that people at home might want to seek out other things. Right. Um, <clears throat> if uh, in the absence of, uh, uh, of cinemas, <laughs> you never know. So, so it's just basically a trial run and, and, and see where it takes us. You know, otherwise, you know, the, the, the other possibilities are still out there. But for now, uh, Kinidia seems like the, the most viable uh, direction um, right. from, from, an, from an indie filmmaker standpoint. Um, ha- having said that, it's like uh, prior to this, you know, just to answer the, the earlier part of your question, uh, it started off as a, as a North American distribution deal. So. Right. Uh, and that's where it's been for the last two years. So uh, in North America, it's primarily available, no pun intended, on Prime, <laughs> on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and other platforms like iTunes, Google Play, uh, Vudu, uh, and so forth. Um, but uh, we we kind of like pimped Vimeo um, as the primary uh, uh, platform because that's the one that that uh, in which revenue goes directly to the filmmakers. Hmm. So whereas all the platforms go to the distributor first. But I would say that I think the most viable platform out there would be Prime. And, right. uh, um, but you know, with, within that period, we never actually had 
any kind of uh, official release or distribution at home. Mm. You know, so uh, so we've been we've been trying to do that for quite a while. So at the end, it's like, oh god, this is taking a little bit too long. Let's go with Kinetia, you know, because they're the ones who are. There's no BS. Let's just drop it. Let's do it. Let's get it out there. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. And and I would encourage you know other filmmakers to give it a shot as well, and especially for films that that they've had trouble getting uh, uh, on the more major platforms. Mm. So Canadia might be a good uh, alternative. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Yeah. I mean, certainly um, I'm aware of Canadia yeah. beforehand. Um, yeah. They do have a number of options there, um, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about its viability um, mm-hmm. in, in the context of, as I mentioned earlier, the yeah. numerous options that people do avail mm-hmm. themselves to. Um, but it feels like your film, along with uh, Kickflip, I think yeah. these are the two films that can really help to push yeah. the platform along as well. Um, yeah in terms of the, the profile of the filmmakers that is you and, and Kai Bahar, yeah. as well as the quality of the films themselves. So I think that's something worth bearing in mind. And, and still yeah. staying with this discussion of, of uh, online platforms mm. and such, um, yeah. to my date, uh, oh, sorry, to my knowledge, to my date, mm. to my knowledge and to date, the film has only been screened on online platforms um, mm. like Prime, Vimeo, yeah. Kinidia. Yeah. Um, there are two parts to this question. The first part is, um, was this... Or is this a deliberate part of the strategy early on, even before you made the film? Mm-hmm. And two, I'm asking this because I wonder whether this affected how you frame the action. Because mm-hmm. for me personally, I feel like there's a difference between mm-hmm. shooting for TV or, or shooting for you know a, a theatrical release, for instance. Like the framing, mm-hmm. like you can get in a bit closer, you get a bit further away. Little things here and there does affect how you shoot something. So. Yeah. Yeah. Is this something that um, affected how you made the film? No, uh, but let me let me let me go back to the first part of your question first. So right. the 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 answer to that was no. It was not intended uh, to be made for this particular uh, strategy. Uh, we it was designed for the big screen. We shot it for the big screen, and we were hoping right. and wanted it to be released on the big screen. Um, and uh, having having seen it on the big screen in the in the three uh, premieres that we had, uh, f- first it was the private premiere. Second was in um, uh, what was it again? Um, uh, the KK Film Festival. Okay. Uh, yeah. And the, and the third was Urbanscapes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a film that needs to be experienced on the big screen. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, that, that's so, what I so, thought myself. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. So, so we were, we're hoping that some, some, sometime uh, when, when cinema's open again, we're, we're going to try to get it at least uh, on a kind of roadshow, um, kind of a screening, you know, as opposed to an official release, but so at least some people could, could, could watch it on a big screen. But, um, sorry, I digress a bit. So, so what happened uh, in the end was like, you know, once the film was completed, you know, um, uh, 2710, our, our executive producer, shopped it around at... at, at at film markets, okay, hmm. and, and basically um, uh, the deal that he landed with Random Media, which is a distribution company in LA. Uh, so, so what they do is they distribute films digitally, and they felt that the film was more viable for digital distribution. All right. So, and in in a way that, that that's true because the, the the problem right now with independent films is that. Although this is a, um, a matter up for debate, but at least from my point of view, it seems that uh, it's harder for indie films to get theatrical distribution nowadays 
because hmm. because cinemas have been so conglomerated by uh, by the likes of Disney and the major studios hmm. that that smaller film seems to be edged out and they go and and the most viable uh, route for them would be streaming and maybe just getting very limited uh, uh, theatrical uh, exhibition you know but uh but yeah so so we took we, we took that deal because you know at the end of the day you want the film to be seen you know and we were hoping that if it was dropped uh, digitally in North America, it would, it, would, it would have a kind of a reach, um, which, which we wouldn't have in Malaysia, because even if this film was released theatrically in Malaysia, let's mm. face it, it, it probably would have a very small audience, you know. And, and that's part of the reason why distribu- cinema distributors here were, not, were very, lu- very reluctant to, to pick up the film. Actually, reluctant was is kind. Uh, they rejected it. <laughs> oh, so you so so you did you did yeah. actually approach like this certain distributors and exhibitors, and and they just yeah, said yeah. no outright. Pretty much, yeah. After they saw the screener, it's like you know this. We the, the the short answer was that we we do not have an audience uh, for this kind of film in Malaysia. So and and in in a sense, they're right. But I'm I'm hoping that it finds its second life through um, through streaming. Uh, but we need, you know, uh, some kind of platform to to deliver that. And right now, uh, Kinidia seems to be like the most viable uh, uh, source for that. All right. Okay. Well, <clears throat> certainly it seems like a good option for you to consider. Yeah. But before we move on to, yeah. to the next question, I, I yeah. do wonder how you feel about all this. Because yeah. Yeah. it feels like in the course of our discussion here, it is very clear that you are a passionate film fan. That you study it, that you have worked in the industry for years, and then you have spent a lot of time, and I would suspect a certain amount of money trying to get this off the ground as well. It has taken a lot yeah. of energy. Um, you have imagined it, therefore, as a theatrical release. Yeah. But now people are telling you, no, nope, bring it to yeah. the streamers. I mean, like, yeah. I, I don't know. If, if I were in your shoes, I'd feel more than a little crushed, but... Uh, but I'm not you, so I'm just wondering what your take is and, and how you feel about all this. Um, well, well, I was, well, you always got to count your blessings because I'm just, I'm glad that the film got any kind of distribution. Um, right. That, that it's out there, that it's actually released to some capacity. So I'm happy for that. I'm grateful for that. On the other hand, um, I was, it, it was kind of like mixed feelings because well, when, we, when we initially landed this deal, I was like, okay, I was disappointed that it wasn't going to be shown theatrically, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I was overjoyed that it actually got picked up by an American distributor, which was beyond uh, what I expected at the time. Right. Yeah. So, but even though um, outreach for this film has been very minimal and traction is still kind of like slow, um, uh, it, it's still, I'm, I'm still um, kind of glad that we, we even got that far. Hmm. Because because this film shouldn't shouldn't exist, <laughs> but somehow but somehow it does now. <laughs> well, for and, my part, yeah. for for my part, I'm definitely glad that it existed. Yeah. Or it exists rather. Yeah. yeah. So the next step, hopefully, is uh, some some kind of discovery, some kind of rediscovery. You know, so uh, it might never happen. But then again, you, you never know. It's like it's some some sometimes these films maybe even take years before they they find any kind of a wider outreach. Um, mm. well, one example of that is this film called, this Argentinian film called um, uh, Murder Me Monster. So 
Murder it's, it's, Monster. It's, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting film. Very kind of sick, but it's, it's it's very beautifully done at the same time. So check it out. So apparently the rollout for that film, the release rollout of the film, took what, what was like spread out over two years. You know, so it was it was you know so it was released in different territory territories and it and and, and and only got released in the UK like only two years after it was initially released in Argentina, for example. Hmm. So we're kind of like trying to set that path for Shadowplay as well. So it's like okay, fine. So we had our North American uh, digital distribution. That was our first step. So next step is to try to get some form of distribution in Malaysia or, or regionally. Okay. And the third step, which we're working on right now as we speak, is to try to get it on more streaming services uh, globally in in other tor- in other territories outside of North America. Right. So, so basically, it's a numbers game. You know, you try to drop it, you try to drop it into as many ponds as possible, <laughs> so that eventually, at least, you know, uh, it'll land into something substantial uh, in one of those ponds. All right. Well, yeah. certainly, I mean, I've never been there, but I would imagine yeah. that North America is a very big pond. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah. yeah, but all the same, I mean, it's good to know that it's, uh, it has yeah. legs and it's traveling. So, yeah. Yeah. so well done on that front. Um, yeah. Maybe the final question I have for you is yeah. my curiosity about the personalities you have surrounded yourself uh, <laughs> with in terms right. of, in terms of the filmmakers involved here, because yeah, yeah you are the director, but then you, you have a lot of other yeah. Malaysian independent filmmakers serving in a variety of roles who, who are yeah. there maybe ostensibly as mm-hmm. uh, in the case of Kai um, as yeah. a script writer or in the case yeah. of Effendi Maslan as an assistant yeah. director or even yeah. someone like Gavin who's yeah you know I look at a, I look at the credits list is more of a, an extra on screen but yeah but yeah. these are people right? Isaz, yeah. Is, Isazali Isa as well um, yeah. yeah the yeah. the producer or one of the producers um, yeah yeah. Like he is somebody I recognize as, as a very good editor as well. So, yeah. so yeah. they all do their own stuff. But then at the same time, I just like wonder what, what the process is like working with them, especially these yeah. group of people who have, in, in, in a way, been the kings or queens of their own respective castles, uh, so to speak. Right. So, yeah. so what was that experience like? I mean, uh, I've, I've known these guys for quite a while already, on and off. You know? So it's like, it, it was essentially just, you know... Um, getting friends and acquaintances together. Um, mm. It just so happens that these are friends and acquaintances who, who do the same thing I do. <laughs> wow. Uh, because, you know, because the, the film scene in Malaysia, especially the indie film scene, it's, 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 it's really incestuous. <laughs> oh, my God. oh no! Oh I mean, no! I, I, I mean that in a positive way, of course. You know, because uh, it's like you know, everybody knows each other, and then we're all making uh, each other, you know, figuratively, you know. So sweet, sweet home, Alabama. Oh my goodness! Exactly. It's all. It's all within the family, right? You know, so. Oh my God! <laughs> so I mean. So, so working with them, it was just, it was just like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's more like hanging out, you know. Let's help help each other out and, and, and play a little, have fun, and do this thing, you know, because we do it for each other, you know. So uh, there, there, there was really no no kind of system or any kind of protocol involved, you know. We were just uh, happy to just you know be involved with each other's work. Mm, uh, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, yeah I, I can imagine that, but still, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh my goodness! Just 
yeah. positive positive incest. I I've never heard of yeah, that yeah. before. I mean, so uh, as as long as it's metaphorical, yes, there is such a just such a thing as, as positive incest. As long as people understand that these are your words and not mine, I think it's perfectly fine. <laughs> I hope I don't get cancelled for it. <laughs> well, nevertheless, yeah, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, boys yeah. and girls, children of all ages, we have reached the end of our discussion here today about shadow play with uh, the director and the screenwriter of the film, or one of the screenwriters, uh, Tony Pietra Arjuna. Um, I feel like we've spoken for a long time, and I greatly appreciate it because, you know, we've been in touch for a while now, but we've yep. never actually met. So Yes, yes. <laughs> so this you know. is just fantastic to sit down and have a really yeah. long and proper chat with you. Um, yes, about likewise. your film and, and about other things. Uh, yeah. And even then, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, just, just watch this film, whether on Kinidia or anywhere else, because there's still a lot that we've not talked about. I mean, mm. I mean, in other interviews you've conducted about this film, you, you bring up a bit more of your experience about being a third culture kid, for instance. Right. So there's, yeah. there's a lot of these elements playing around with, with like the local... Um, or, or more so-called traditional ideas of culture as well that interact mm -hmm. in all sorts of different ways. So that's something yeah, that yeah. we did not discuss. We didn't even talk yeah. about Stellar Dreams, whose right. who's work, um, not just for Shadow Play, but also for Devoted, was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Is, for me, still, I mean, the, the, the theme song for Devoted is, is still something that stays with me. Um, yeah. And, and to be honest with you, when I watch Devoted, mm -hmm. um, I don't, stop watching at the end of one episode i stop watching just after a few minutes of the next episode because that's when we get to hear the theme song again <laughs> if that makes sense so yeah. i i that's yeah, that's yeah. the point of reference yeah. for me um right right so they so they do great work here as well on shadow play yeah. so there's a lot of stuff going on here but at last ladies and gentlemen um i think this is all the time we have for today uh Tony, um, yes. any more? Any more for any more? Um, no, I, I, I think that's that. You know, and I, I'm open to a sequel podcast if you want <laughs> to discuss those things that we didn't discuss. That'd be brilliant. So, yeah, yeah, uh, and who knows? You know, hopefully, hopefully within the next couple of months there'll be another milestone for Shadowplay, such as the um, aforementioned, aforementioned uh, distribution uh, route that we're trying to explore. All right. If uh, if if or when that lands, I'll, I'll let you know. Absolutely. Do keep us yeah. posted on that front. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll do my best to spread the word, the good word yeah. that is shadow play and the good man that is Tony Pietra <laughs> Arjuna. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for your time here today. I hope you have a good day whenever, when, wherever you may be in the world. Um, okay, Tony, say goodbye, Tony. Goodbye. Much appreciated, Fikri, and everybody stay safe. Absolutely. Right. And it's a goodbye right. from me as well. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Everything is okay. I just want to play.